Hi, everyone. So to get started with um, our time in the Word today, I wanted to just kind of share with you a little bit of my, my last week. So last Sunday, remember, it was a beautiful day. I had the opportunity to attend the graduation festivities for my cousin, Molly, who will be attending the University of Tampa in the fall. Go Spartans. Um, it was, like I said, it was a beautiful day. Lots of food, lots of family, lots of friends. All these people gathered around. Less than 24 hours later, unfortunately, I was in attendance at the funeral of a young man, 21 years old, a good friend of my son, Jake, who tragically, unexpectedly was killed. Um, and we, we were there together. Um, and as I kind of reflected back on that 24-hour time frame, I was struck by this idea that those two events had something in common. And it was, it was the idea that there was these family and friends that just traveled from far and near for the sake of being together, one for celebration and one for a tragedy. And that's the way God wired us, right? God wired us to come together, to be there for each other, to be glad to be there for each other on, on our best days and on our worst days. And those two events kind of um, in opposite directions represent uh, significant, significant moments in our lives. But I also think, not but, and, and I also think that we need that extended family around us every day in the highs and lows of everyday life. Right? We need people who are, um, who are farther ahead of us, they have more experience, who we can look to and kind of watch how they did things. We need people who um, maybe they have more resources than, than we do, and they can help us out. We need people who aren't quite as far along as we are, and we can show them the road, or maybe we have resources that we can share with them. We need people to, to run alongside us, our peers. We're created to be in relationship in this idea of extended family. Now, all of us, all of us are born into a family, right? Aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, cousins. Um, but not all of those families operate the way God intended them to. Even, even if, right, like you had an idyllic upbringing or you, you know, were, had the good fortune to be raised in what we would call a high-functioning family, um, we live in a sinned stained world. And what that, what that means is, is, well, let's just think about some of the things that, that could affect even the best of families, right? Maybe, maybe mom or dad works 70 hours a week, and so um, the family is a de facto single parent family. Maybe the family is spread out across the country or around the world, so they, they, it's almost impossible to be together in, in those big moments, in those everyday moments. Maybe there's a member of the family whose needs are so significant that the rest of the family feels like they kind of have to revolve around that one person. And in short, anyone, and you know, I could go, unfortunately, I could go on with a very long list of things that um, kind of kneecap our relationships. We have a lack of the relationships that we need to grow into maturity, spiritually, emotionally, 
mentally. But we have, this one is a but, but we have Jesus who meets all of our needs, and this is no different. When we enter into relationship with Jesus, he invites us into the new family of God. I shared with us last week, or last time we were together, how it's not only what we believe, what we think, but who we love that leads us into transformation. Right? And the, the who we love, the foundation of that is this idea of the new family of God, our extended, our extended families. And I would suggest to you that the new family you receive is one of the greatest gifts and responsibilities that comes with a relationship with Jesus. That's our big idea for today. The new family that we receive is both gift and responsibility. And today we're going to take a look at one biblical example, a figure, one biblical figure to try to help us get our mind around what that extended family could look like. And for those of you with a church background, you might recognize the name Timothy, or if you've studied the, the Bible, the New Testament, um, there are two books in the New Testament, two letters addressed to Timothy. They're actually to Timothy and the church that he was pastoring in, in Ephesus. Timothy was the protege of the Apostle Paul, and uh, he, those church that he was pastoring was, um, man, what a tough gig that was. He was pastoring a church that was in a culture that everybody Everything that happened in that culture centered around the worship of the goddess Artemis. And into that, Timothy is trying to lead a bunch of new believers and following and following Jesus. So that's kind of just a we'll talk, we're gonna talk a lot more about Timothy, but just a little bit of an introduction. I'm gonna read to you um, three passages in succession, one from Acts and two from the book of 2 Timothy, that kind of spec out this uh this biblical extended family that I want us to take a little bit of a further look at. So we're going to start in Acts 16. This is the first interaction. This is the first time we see Timothy in Scripture. And this is talking about Paul the Apostle on his second missionary journey in the northern, um, northern Mediterranean. Here we go. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered, they being Paul and Timothy and the rest of the team, Luke was with them, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and Timothy, working together, were planting and growing churches in that part of the Mediterranean world. All right, so now we fast forward. Paul is in jail in Rome for the second time. This time he's not under house arrest. He's in a really like bad situation in the, the Roman dungeon, and he's writing to Timothy. He's writing to the Ephesian church. Paul, an apostle of Christ, oh, sorry, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded 
now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Last two verses we're going to read here. This is a little bit later, just a couple chapters later in 2 Timothy. But as for you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. His grandmother, his mother, Paul. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All right. So, as we, as we think about Timothy and his extended family, we have to look back and we have to look at Paul and his extended family. Paul goes out of his way to mention the fact of his ancestors. Literally, that word ancestors means parents and grandparents. Paul's faith was built upon the faith of his parents and grandparents. It, he wasn't like trying to live off their faith, but it was very much the foundation upon which he grew and became the man that he did that led him to be maybe the greatest evangelist of all time, right? So Timothy's extended family goes all the way back into Paul's extended family. Then we turn and we take a look at Timothy's extended family. And the first thing we learn is that Timothy was discipled by his mom and by his grandmother. I always love this because my grandmother's name is Lois also. Um, Lois and Eunice. And we look at the impact that they had on him. From a very young age, they raised him. They raised him in the faith. And they, very similar to Paul's ancestors, they had this love for God. They had a knowledge of the scriptures that they wanted to impart to Timothy. And they wanted to give him the opportunity to build his own faith on that same foundation, which is exactly what they did. And then Paul comes into the situation. So we have... Timothy, and all we know of his dad, right, is that um, his dad was a Greek. And typically, when it's phrased like that in Scripture, it means he didn't believe in God, didn't believe, didn't believe in Jesus. So Paul comes on the scene, and he assumes like this father figure role in, in Timothy's life. He, he mentors him. He builds into him. He invests in him. He says, Timothy, watch the Jesus you see in me and imitate that. Timothy and Paul literally travel really difficult roads together. Metaphorically, they travel really difficult roads together. They plant churches around the Mediterranean, around the ancient world. Um, Timothy and Paul, uh, we lose sight of this sometimes because it's just one line in the beginning of each of these letters, but Timothy co-wrote several, I think it's like four or five of the letters in the New Testament with Paul. So they were co-workers, right? Co-workers, absolutely, they got a lot done, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. However, that wasn't it. That wasn't just their relationship. Paul, in the very first verse of um, chapter 1, he refers to Timothy as dear son. In other places in the New Testament, he refers to Timothy as his true son. Paul had a deep affection for Timothy. Timothy had that same affection for Paul. And as we read about the tears that he had when they, when they parted ways, one of the reasons... Paul writes the letters to Timothy is because he missed him, right? Especially the second letter. Paul knew that his time was drawing near and that he was going to, probably going to be executed pretty soon, and he wanted to see Timothy. 
before that happened. So they had this, this great bond. Not only were they coworkers, but there was this, this father-son thing that was going on. So what we see in the extended family of Timothy, the new family of God that Timothy stepped into, is, um, is how the family of God might work, how it can work. We see um, Timothy's blood family and his faith family coming together. And what joins those things together for Timothy and for us is the cross of Jesus. That's where those things meet. That's what draws us together. That's what binds us together. Jesus does what we cannot do for ourselves in conquering sin and death. And when we step into that, when we step into that offer that he presents to us, we have this invitation to this new family in which we are united with believers throughout history and around the world. And more specifically, and, and maybe more importantly, we are, we are united to a group of believers in our local contexts, in our local communities. And in those relationships, in that specific new family of God into which you and I are drawn, we have the ability to demonstrate to the world the self-sacrificing love of Jesus. We have a tremendous gift and that we can be on the receiving end of that, right? We, the, the self-sacrificing love. We also have a tremendous responsibility and we need to be willing to sacrifice for others and be positioned to show the world this is who Jesus is. If you watch the way we live, the way you treat each other, you'll get a good idea of who Jesus is and how, and how he acts. So um, within the, the family of God, we have the, um, I don't want to say tool, tools isn't the right word, but we have the relationships, right? We have the relationships which are necessary to help us grow into full maturity. Without the family of God, we will never experience maturity in Christ. Right? We need our brothers and sisters, we need our spiritual mothers and fathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, to remind us of who we were created to be. We need them to remind us of what it's like to act like a follower of Jesus here at Crossroads. We cannot do that on our own. We cannot become the people we're created to be without the family of God. And that means the whole family of God. Um, that means everybody needs to do their job. Me and everybody in our community included. I want to read to you um, a verse from, we're going to look at Ephesians. This is um, chapter 4. I think it's just up on the screen. There we go. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's that word, you guys, mature, right? We need each other. We need the people who God has put in place and leadership of our community, of our communities, to build up, to equip everybody to do their job. Everybody needs to step up and to do their job for us to find that maturity for which God created us. And I said 
everybody needs, that means everybody across, across generations, across whatever, however, what phrase you want to use, phase of life, age, every generation is necessary. Every phase of life is necessary. We need infants to remind us of new birth and the newness of life and to remind us of, of how helpless we are and how much we need Jesus. We need children who Jesus points to as the example of come to me with this childlike faith. We need other adults in our lives who, um, like I said earlier, who can run alongside us and we can um, care for each other. We need parents to demonstrate what it looks like to sacrificially love children. And we need elders, not the, not the position in the church, but the phase of life. We need elders to show us what it looks like to sacrificially care for a community. Right? We need all of those pieces. Now we come, we each come out of a, a family of origin or a biological family. And like I said earlier, those families are affected by sin. We all um, enter into a new family of God coming out of our family of origin. And those families of origin, um, well, we bring baggage with us, right? They're when not all of the pieces are present in every family. And so as we come into the family of God, we bring that baggage with us the, that was brought about by whatever, wherever we came from. And so we come into the new family of God with that baggage, which means the family of God is not perfect by any stretch. And so what that, what that looks like is we have people who are chronologically one age and emotionally and spiritually not up to that same age. In other words, we have um, emotional infants and children running around in adult and elder bodies. That's in the big church. That's at crossroads. That's just unfortunately in too many different places. So the good news is, right, the good news is it is never too young, and is, you're never too young, you're never too old, it's never too early, too late to, to do something about that. It's never impossible to learn and to grow. And this is where we're going to wrap stuff up. With, I wanna, there's the kind of the easy end of this spectrum, and there's the hard end of this spectrum. And the easy end is just showing up in each other's lives. And the hard end has to do with um, learning and practicing new uh, relational skills that model Jesus and how he related to people within the new family of God. People come into this family with their stuff, and then we need to learn how to be and how to do like Jesus. So here's the, the easy side of this. We're going to look at, um, this is Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Super simple, super practical way to implement that is for each of us to participate in our lean-in weekends and our reach-out weekends. A big part of the reason why we structured our summer the way we structure it is to facilitate these relationships within the new family of God, to give us opportunities to connect with each other at a deeper deeper level, and as we're connecting, to have an impact on others who might not yet know Jesus. The easy end of this is just show up. You don't need to prepare. You don't need to do homework. You just you show up and participate in each other's lives. 
Now the harder end of the spectrum is this, is learning um, a, new, a new relational skill. Angelo, could you move me to the next slide? Oh, there it is, we got it, okay. Um, and this, I'm gonna use Ephesians 4.15 to help us launch into this discussion. And you're gonna see this word mature again. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Now that can be hard. And I think um, we typically tend to look at that as being, all right, I have to say corrective things. Like, man, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. Or maybe you should start doing this. Yes, absolutely, that's part of it, right? We need to be able to speak truth into each other's lives with gentleness and respect and empathy. But that's only one piece of it. I want to suggest to you a couple other things that go into speaking the truth in love. And the first one is this, to be willing to say, I need help. I need help. Last time we were together, I talked about the concept of a 3 a.m. friend. Right? And I know many of you would be more than happy to take a phone call at 3 a.m. and do whatever the other person um, on the phone was asking of you. But I also know that those same people who would be willing, more than willing to take that call are not as ready to make that call. Right? If we're going to fully participate in this new family, we need to be willing to ask for help. That's an aspect of speaking the truth in love. Another aspect of speaking the truth in love is the idea of taking the time and maybe having a hard conversation around clarifying expectations. If you expect me to do something that we haven't talked about and we haven't agreed upon, then that's not an expectation, right? That's you expecting me to read your mind or your relationship with your wife or your relationship with a friend, right? We need to take the time to clarify our expectations. An expectation is only valid if it is both communicated and agreed upon. And sometimes those conversations can be hard. Sometimes, you know, if we have them ahead of time, they're, they're much easier. But that's part of speaking the truth and love. And the last thing I want to suggest to you about speaking the truth and love is this. Paul said a couple of different times throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, you have the God of the universe residing inside of you, which means you have something to offer other people. When I, um, when I invite guys into my life, I will say something like, guys, I'm not perfect, right? I'm going to screw stuff up. But what I would encourage you to do is to watch how I live and where you see Jesus in me, you imitate that. And if you see me being on Jesus-y, then you tell me about that and you can help me work on that. But part of speaking the truth in love is we need to be willing to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, just like Paul did, just like he invited Timothy into his life. So in, um, in Timothy and his extended family, we have this great example of what the new family of God could look like. And as we, as we look towards what's next for Crossroads, um, the idea of participating, fully participating in an extended family is going to be absolutely critical for us with some huge implications, huge implications for how we relate to each other, implications for how we structure ourselves as a church, 
and implications for how we reach out to the world around us, our ability and um, how well we reach out to the world around us. The new family of God. I'll I'll just um, ask you, what is it that God is saying to you about your part in the new family of God? Maybe it's you're at the point where it's just accepting that invitation of Jesus into relationship with Jesus and therefore into relationship with all your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe that's your step right now, taking that first step. Maybe um, you're looking at your life and, and you need to just show up, right? Let this be your encouragement to just show up and participate in the lives of your brothers and sisters at Crossroads. Or maybe God is impressing on you that you need to be willing to speak the truth in love in one of those fashions that I talked about. What is it that God is saying to you about participating in this new family that God offers to you? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that, um, man, just that you, you do for us what we cannot do on our own. God, we thank you that you defeated sin and death and um, through your resurrection, you make possible uh, not only relationship with you, which is most important, but a, new, a whole new family. God, a whole new family that offers the opportunity to fill those relational gaps that we might have, that might bring a father figure into our life, that might take the, the love and the care and the nurturing and the discipleship of a, of a mother and a grandmother and build on it. God, we thank you that we have that opportunity. Would you give us the courage to step into those relationships in the easy ways and the hard ways? God, so that we might demonstrate your love, that we might be unified and we might show the world, we might point the world to you and all that you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.